When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Long term and all those other things later on. We're going to focus on the Saints and go down to New Orleans. Yeah, yeah, they made a lot of progress. They're much better. They got good personnel. Um, you know, Klein's playing good for him. Uh, Davis is playing really good, I think. Um, you know, they've added a few pieces. Um, you know, the corner, the corner obviously is, is really good. Um, and then they've got solid safety. So part of it is, um, you know, the personnel. And then, you know, he's, he's added a lot package-wise as far as, you know, the different looks, that, especially that you're going to get on third down. They've kind of kept moving toward that as, uh, you know, last couple of years. That is Minnesota Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer, Matthew Collar, Alex Boone in for the whole show today. At 2.30, we have a mystery guest, and I don't know who it is. You have booked the mystery guest, and I uh, I guess we'll let you, you had a guess introduce. Though, one guess. Just, uh, what are you thinking? So, the... the so the, the other guys said, oh, it's awesome. So I, I thought, okay, maybe it can't be Sean Hill then, because that what? would only be something that I thought was awesome. How do I tell Sean that? I but, mean, dude, I no, can't I'm bring saying him that, on now. I'm saying that they wouldn't have the same level of appreciation having not covered Sean Hill or love journeyman quarterbacks like I do. So the other guys, you know, our social media guy, our video guy, they wouldn't be saying, oh, that's so cool. So it's, it's, it's got to be a name. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to think about it, but uh, I I also don't want to get it right. It's kind of like Christmas if you shake the box and go, so oh, excited. is it a PlayStation Four? And then it is like then it sort of takes the shine off it. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna guess. What we're gonna do is spend the next 23 minutes or so before your mystery guest mm. talking about the path to victory for the Minnesota Vikings. I want to continue where Judd and I left off on a podcast only version of the show, which you mm. can hear uh, on the podcast feed for Purple Daily. But I want to get your opinion. We laid out some things that the Minnesota Vikings can do in New Orleans to win. And, of course, at the very top of that list, Alex, it has to start with the quarterback and Kirk Cousins. I want to know what you made of Cameron Jordan saying it depends on which Kirk shows up. Because I've been saying that for two years now since watching him. And even though you don't want the old bulletin board material... 
I mean, Cameron Jordan just gave an honest answer, and I think it's what everyone is thinking going into this game is that it depends on which version of Cousins shows up. Absolutely. It, it, it does. I mean, you look at the Green Bay game, it's so recent, and I think that's what everyone's so worried about is like, man, especially as a player, like nothing beat going into a bye week on a loss because it would just sit there and harp on your mind like, man, I could have done this better, I should have done this better, now I have a whole week to sit here and think about what I should have done better. And for me, that this team kind of went through that, like, hey, man, you guys lost a big one, now you have a, a week to sit and think about it. Like, sometimes that doesn't mentally go well, and that is one of my biggest fears. But everybody's out here like, oh, you know, the Saints got this one, whatever. Dude, I'm, I really don't know if I see it that way. And I, I, people could say whatever they want, but I broke down four of my own games, and I don't need someone to tell me what I'm looking at because I got to, dude. Look at these notes. I mean, I got some serious that, notes. That's over. a lot of notage, right? You, there. That's is just that one on game. The Saints. Yes. Or is that, oh, okay. This is like how you beat the Your Saints. Game planning, like, dude. One of the biggest things that shows up for the Saints, and this would be the path to what was it? Path to path to victory. Path, In fact, the journey uh, to victory. Jonathan, every time I say path to victory, could if play you something? could hit some NFL films music, Please. just every time. Like, going forward after this, when you're ready. <laughs> Whenever you're on. <laughs> All right. Uh, path just, to we're trying to clean up over just, here. We'll, we'll wait. We'll wait. I just, I want this. I want this to work. I do too. Uh, which one do you want? It doesn't matter. So. Yeah. All right. The there you go. There you go. And you don't have to keep it going, but just when I say <laughs> path to victory, just you hit just something. Chimes. Chimes. Yeah. Oh. I just, and anything you got. Bells. Okay. All right. Love it. So you watched four Saints games. Yeah. And what did you then take away in that massive notebook Dude, I got a that, lot. that the Vikings can take advantage of? Like, what's number one? Number one. Um, Assuming that Cousins doesn't check down to C.J. Ham three times in the first drive. Like, dude, let's listen, just, this, let's this, just no, say, no, no, because is, if that happens, it's just over. Right, it is. There's and nothing is you can over. do it, at that point. Everyone can play great and you'll lose. Right, I agree with you. And I think that you're looking at this, you're saying, number one, it's going to fall on the O-line to give Kirk, number one, the pocket that he needs. Because you're in a, a crazy stadium and people yeah. don't know... When you're in a dome and there's the crowds kind of on top of you, you constantly feel like you're pressured and you constantly feel like everything's closing in. So you'll see everyone's always kind of like trying to be away. Oh man, give me my space, dude. I need my space for a minute. They got to give him what he needs. But if you do, dude, this defense is feast or famine. I mean, they are. They're either going to come down with Cameron Jordan down the middle of the pipe or you're going to throw a 65 yard touchdown and that's how it's going to go. So when you're looking at this, if you can give your quarterback just I don't know, two seconds, a time to get a slant route going. Play action against them is one of the biggest things they have problems with. And another thing that just, I was like, man, the tosses on the outside, they're teams that get them all the time. They get in this bunch formation, three receivers, and it's like they want to bring the entire defense on the inside of those guys. What are you doing? You, they've out leveraged yourself. Everyone's just tossing the ball. And what is that? What we talked about that before. What does that do? Get your cornerback, start tackling. And yo, that secondary does not want to tackle. I'm sorry. Well, doesn't want to tackle Delvin Cook, especially. And, and the Vikings love to use Delvin Cook on the outsides on those mm. pitches all the time. I mean, this is what's their bread and butter. And and you give Delvin the chance to get the ball in his hands right now, ahead of steam going, and you can pick which way you want to go. I mean, that's going to set up the play action, which for this defense gets their secondary in so many bad positions. You look at all the shots that have been taken on this team. There's a ton of them. I mean, these guys are just getting... Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen are going to have a field day if they can get the run game going. It's going to be a total feast for the Vikings. Sorry, I'm tweeting out the link to the video with the path to victory. Path to victory. Path to victory. Very good. Um, 
So uh, let's let's uh, let's organize our path to victory then. Yes. So I agree with you that it all starts with Delvin Cook in this game. Yeah. And it really is always all started with Delvin Cook for the entire season. I mean, when you look at when Delvin Cook is at his best in October, when he's healthy, when he's explosive, he is scaring the pants off of other teams. They're rushing at him with their linebackers, being super aggressive, but also game planning first to stop him and then saying, well, we're going to make Kirk beat us. And the problem with that for opposing defenses is he will. He will throw it accurately down the field if the opposing team game plans specifically to stop Dalvin Cook. However, I was watching uh, something about the some of the play actions and boots that they run, where they run like deep post concepts, and how the Saints have had some success in defending those the same way that the Green Bay Packers did. But at the same time, when they played against the 49ers, who run a Shanahan offense, mm-hmm. the 49ers went absolutely berserk. Was that one of the games that yes. you watched? Yes. So what happened there that the 49ers did with the Shanahan-style offense, which is what the Vikings Dude, run, play that action. worked? I mean, it's all the play action. Everything's complementing this run game. And then all of a sudden you have DeMarco Davis stepping up, and then you have guys come out. You know what else was a big one? The hide routes. You start watching these games and see. You sim- love the hide routes. Dude, The high, because it shows up. So It's like the easiest thing in the world. We're all going to run to the right and throw a 20-yard pass real quick. Okay. It's just... After a while, it's like teams are starting to lull them to sleep, right? They constantly run this zone where the tight end comes back and smashes the defensive end. And all of a sudden, the defensive end says, listen, dude, I don't want this anymore. I'm going to get out of your way. Well, right when he does that, well, here comes that waggle, and you just let the one guy free. Like, If you watch their games, teams just beat on them. The teams that win have just beat on them and beat on them. And we're going to run our offense. We're going to run the ball as much as we can. Yeah, there's a few gimmicks here and there. Every game has their gimmicks. you got to keep people honest. And that leads me into like their offense. Their offense is a smoke and mirrors, dude. I mean, there's always somebody moving somewhere. And what mm-hmm. does that do? It's just eye candy. I'm just a big distraction to show you something that you shouldn't see, right? Like Jared Cook goes in a Y motion to settle. Like Everyone's looking at him like, why is he going over there? Next thing you know, it's counter the other way. It's something to make you look one way so you get smacked the other. And that's what their offense is. But for their, this offense, for the Vikings, if you can get those hide routes to start showing up with the waggles, those are the simple plays that get you the first downs, that get you going. Those are the drive starters. Those are the simple plays that, hey, listen, guys, we're in a tough situation. We're going to run a waggle. We're going to get 15 yards. We're going to break into a nice cycle, and then all of a sudden we're going to start tossing the ball. We're going to start running some zone, the cutbacks. The linebackers just love to flow. Dude, let them run. Dalvin, do what you want, baby. It's going to be so fun. I think it's incredibly important to start off – with some of the simple stuff for Kirk Cousins, just getting him settled into oh, yeah. the game. Yeah. Um, and, and in a way, this is weird, but I sort of like this take that uh, somebody brought up, if you win the coin toss, usually teams defer, but getting Kirk out there on the field to start out the game with his game script in the situation that he can predict, starting at the 25, you've got the ball, you're ready to go, is generally good for him. It's sort of the the expectation that he sets. It's not a unique where something different gets thrown at you and all of a sudden you have to go off the game script because executing the script has been really, really good for him this year. It speaks to how well Kevin Stefanski has done. And when they're on the game script, which is usually what, first 25 plays or 15, 15 plays? 15. Uh, so your first 15 plays... That PFF did a look at this, and the Vikings are one of the best teams in the NFL in their first 15 plays. You could think at the Chargers, uh, at Seattle, at Dallas, all these games where Kirk played pretty well. Right off the bat, he's moving down the field, he's scoring a touchdown, and that to me is extremely important for him to start off that way because in the past... 
when he hasn't started off that way, when he does try to check down and overthrow C.J. Ham, it seems to get in his head pretty pretty quickly. Yeah, and you as a fan, you can see it too. Like, assume, remember the uh, what game was it? He overthrew C.J. by like a couple yards. And everybody was like, oh, boy, Green Bay, Green I mean, Bay. Yeah, but but he also, That's it. I mean, he also uh, threw short to Adam Thielen in Kansas City. Right. On a play that he hits ninety nine out of a hundred times, that's when you get scared. Same thing where you're like, "Oh no, yep. it's that version," right. and he's here today, and that's going to be a problem. And I don't know, other than getting him some screen passes, quick throws, and big runs from Delvin, if there is another way to shake that from Cousins. I mean, it might be a thing that is fundamental to him that early on in a lot of games he just has problems. But I think in some games where there could have been pressure. Kevin Stefanski has done a good job of figuring out how to either get him out of that, like in Denver or in Kansas City, where they did take the lead in the fourth quarter and didn't come through at the end, or on screen passes, quick throws like they did against Philly and like they did against the Seattle Seahawks. Right, but don't you think as an offensive coordinator, you should go in going, what are the best 15 plays to calm this guy down? Like, by now, you should know. So if you go into this game and everything starts all willy-nilly again, everyone's going to look back at Stefanski like, dude, you just did this two weeks ago. Yeah. And now we're all like, hey, man, you got a real shot to do this. But you're right. It's how you start the fifth, first five plays. If he's cool and calm and, hey, man, we're going to hand it off. We're going to toss one. We're going to throw one. We're going to boot it a little bit. If he gets off on a good foot, dude, it's going to be a hell of a game. So tell me how much it matters to when you have a game like Green Bay and that's the last time you were on the field. Because I look at Green Bay winning that game, and you could have said, oh, Green Bay, they've got all this momentum. Look at them. They just beat the Vikings on ESPN. And then they almost lose to David Blau the very next week. And when coaches and players say it's a week-to-week league, my eyes roll back in my head. So do yours. So do all fans. It's cliche. We've heard it a million times. But it's also been said this many times because I, I think it's true. I don't think... What happened against Green Bay matters a whole lot to what is going to happen in New Orleans, even though it completely changed the way that fans felt about this team. I, I disagree. And because I say that when you start the game with an offense on the 10-yard line mm-hmm. and you can't put a touchdown in, like, dude, your defense just came up with something awesome for you and you can't finish it for them, That that's like a glaring problem to me. And as an offensive lineman, I'd have been like, dude, what the hell did we just do? Where are we going from here? That was not right, you know. And but you're over that by now, aren't you? No, nah, I mean I think that you know you're looking at it, you're like, dude, are we are we over it? Are we going to fix this? Is this a problem? And and I get it, you don't have Dalvin, but still, I mean, it just wasn't the way I thought you would start that game. On the ten, you got all the momentum, you got the stadium behind you, seventy thousand people. We're going to load up and we're going to pack our wagons right down the a gap, and that's how we're going to start. Or we're going to toss the ball outside. We're going to do something. We're going to just keep drenching these guys in their own freaking muck. And that's what's the problem is, is that like you start to get too creative and that's what's scary. And that's where a lot of teams get hurt against the Saints is because they can't do what they want to do because they're playing Drew Brees. And so they're like, man, now we're playing catch up ball because I was doing some stats last night. I never really do stats, but we used to do stats when we played. Wait, wait, what's that? What were you doing? Different stats. We're not trying to grade. We're not trying to grade people. We're just looking at like, Hey, listen, (laughs) This is what they do on these downs. So you're looking at a few things, and you're like, all right, yeah, you know, they have the fourth best rushing defense. And you're like, well, really? 
I don't really know anybody over that's a big run stopper. It's because of Drew, because he's exactly. ahead in the game. They're the third yeah. least amount yeah. of attempts, because you're playing Drew all the time. So you wonder, hey, listen, if you did go in there with an offense like maybe Kyle Shanahan's with a bunch of running backs that like to be physical, or yeah. a Dalvin Cook who says, hey, listen, I get what they wanted to do, but that was silly for them to try that. Here's what we're going to do. Now we want to see if you want to play our game. And that's why I feel really healthy. Like, man, this 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 could be in the Vikings' favor. Well, right. Uh, so, I guess, I guess I'm trying to figure out when you try to go back through that Green Bay game and what you can take away from it and what you can, uh, I guess, um, correct. Because there's the fundamental flaws of this team are obvious. Number one is Kirk has games where he doesn't show up. Number two is usually in those games where he doesn't show up, there's something similar that happens. It's a giant human being who's very violent, who's crashing through your offensive line and getting in his face and terrifying him. And that's what happened with Zedarius Smith. And there is the potential for that with Cameron Jordan in this game. But there isn't really another guy because Davenport is out and Rankins is out. There really isn't another guy where you go, Okay, he's unbeatable. And against Vaughn Miller, Vaughn got a sack, but he only got two pressures in that game. It wasn't like he dominated in the second half when they came back. And that's where I think the Vikings do have an opportunity here to perform better against New Orleans in New Orleans than they did against a team like Green Bay. Because Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith and Kenny Clark were in the backfield on every, every other play. And you don't have a quarterback who can reduce pressure because of the way he moves. So if you have Russell Wilson, he could just escape and make right. a play somewhere. But Cousins is not going to be that guy. And in terms of path to victory... They have one one guy, in my mind. One guy. Maybe two. To Maybe shut, two. To really shut down. Who's the other DeMarco guy? DeMarco Davis. If you notice, he shows up a lot in these passing situations. He's one of these linebackers. He, ru- he rushes a lot. He rushes a lot. So if you're going in this game, you're like, listen, we're going to go three down with the bigs. Any 90 numbers, an automatic down. And DeMarco Davis, if he walks DeMario. up. DeMario. DeMario. Sorry, what did I say? You said DeMarco. DeMarco. Okay. There's lots of DeMarco around. He, uh, if he walks up, there's a good chance we're going to count him as a down guy. And you know what he likes to do? They like to twist him a lot, too. And that's something that the Vikings are going to have to clean up because that's some of the things that showed up in the Packers week. Now, can you do that when the other team is rushing on you successfully? Can you do the twists and the stunts and all those things up front the same way? Yeah. I mean, well, it doesn't matter how. You don't have to do it exactly like they did. You just have to go, listen, they're vulnerable in the twist game. Why? Because they're on different levels. They're not setting correctly. They're not setting back as a unit. They're not. It looks like everybody's on their own little spacing, and it causes these like little blips. And you see it sometimes in pass protection, these little gaps between the guys. Instantly, I'm like, hey, listen, we're going to ET this guy because he wants to open up this big door for me to run through, and it's called his left hip. And when you don't fix that, teams like this down in New Orleans who are going to be playing with the electricity behind them and who love to just be in these exotic defenses where you see eight guys walked up and at times they just bring all eight. Like they're like, dude, they don't care about running all out, which should be something that goes up on your radar. Like, dude, every situation is live now. We need to know. And and as far as the Vikings go, they have hit on big plays sometimes when the opponent brings everybody up. But it's also a weakness of Kirk Cousins that when the defense doesn't show you right away what they're going to be. And I asked Sean Payton about this, about playing against Cousins. And he said the key is that you have to make sure whatever you're you're putting in on defense does not reveal itself at the line of scrimmage because Cousins will read it and he'll pick it apart. And we've seen that from some defenses like Detroit. 
the first time they played Detroit, it was about as simple as it got, or at least from me watching the film back, it looked like Kirk knew where he was going to go before the snap on every play. Same with Philadelphia. Like, we're going to get this look. They've right. got one safety up this there, my, and they're, they're playing man, and of right. course our receiver could beat man, so let's go. But if they're bringing everybody up and they're standing guys up around the line of scrimmage, last year in New England, the Patriots did that a lot. I think with the idea that Kirk, if you can slow him down by that half tick by confusing him just ever so much that he can't make plays, that could be a problem for the Vikings. I agree. That's not path to victory. That's that's a problem. That is path to victory. (laughs) But you can still play it. If you want, there you go. Oh, we're catching John off guard today. Is it because I'm here today, John? No, it's because he's it's because he's been out. He's just not as sharp. He's like I he's like there. feeling Where's in his first game back. Like he just didn't have the same burst. I'm getting back. Oh, I'm getting just back. you're good. You look. It's good. my first day back. You know, two weeks. The, you know, you could take accountability in the post game press conference. No, you know, you know, oh, what's for a, sure, I will. You know, what's another big thing too is when you bring those guys up there and they show that blitz, and you're almost like 100 percent sure that they're all coming. You instantly go to your first read, like, listen, I'm going to catch and throw. When yep. they drop, it is like, I mean, even as an offensive lineman, because you're standing in your stance and you're like, okay, well, I'm going to go here, but if he drops, man, I got to get out there, like. There's no time. And sometimes they catch you off guard because they step. You know, that's the new thing. Dude, God, it drives me nuts. <laughs> these guys, they like step across the line like, I'm coming. No, I'm not. And you're like, God, he just ate me up and I should have known that. And drives you nuts. But these guys do a good job of getting exotic. I think that wherever uh, Davis is going to be, expect a twist, especially out on the tackles. He likes to pick those tackles a lot. But, you know, the, the, they're feast or famine. They're going to bring everybody, and they're going to hope that their defensive backs are playing well and everything's going well. But, man, there's a lot of times that you see receivers just run right by guys, and it's incredible. See, this is the reason I think that you would actually like pro football focus nope. and analytics. Nope. So stay with me here. It, because it it has the exact number of pass rush snaps that DeMario Davis had this year. It was the fourth most among middle linebackers in the entire NFL. So the point that you're making, the thing that you're seeing, you can confirm via the numbers that he was one of the top guys in terms of rushing. And I can't think of too many examples of the Vikings facing guys that were like this this year. Just looking at the numbers, there aren't too many other... I mean, he's way above Anthony Barr, and Anthony Barr does rush a fair amount for a linebacker. Middle linebackers don't do that as much anymore. No, not really. Kind of gone to like, hey man, we pay defensive ends to do that. Let's just you're let kind those of like do a, that. You kind of like a glorified safety right. in a lot of ways, right, right, right. mostly I, coverage and run stopping. Exactly, and like a, like a Kendricks. Kendricks right. is like the doesn't next, rush that often. Yep. Like I feel like it went from Luke Keekley, and now all of a sudden it's shifting towards this Kendricks, and it's like a guy that can cover anybody and stop the run sideline to sideline, and doesn't need help, doesn't need assistance. I mean, a healthy Kendricks is a scary Kendricks. Right. Let's also talk about that as far as the path to victory. Uh, that uh, I love that. Kendricks was at practice today, and he did not practice yesterday. So that, in terms of your news, is very good for the Vikings. But, how? I mean, he didn't exactly look like a guy who was 100% when he was out there warming up. It scares me. And he was limited today. Mackenzie Alexander out with a knee injury for two straight days. That does not bode well to his chances. Yeah. And, I, and I understand that, especially when you played with Alexander, he was nowhere close to being what he is now, I think. He's grown a ton. Oh, absolutely. But also, yes. here's the domino effect to this. If you don't have Hendricks and you don't have Alexander, that's the middle of your field. I mean, that's yeah. your nickel corner and that's your middle linebacker. And this is a team that loves to attack the middle of the field with Kamara coming yeah. out, with Michael Thomas over the middle. Oh, so yeah. now you are in their place. It's the the guy who calls out all the signals in Kendricks. And then 
Mike Hughes will have to play nickel corner. He's mostly been playing outside, rotating with Rhodes, so now he's got to go to an unfamiliar right. spot, and now you can't rotate him with Rhodes anymore. I know, and then you got Michael Thomas, one of the most physical wide receivers out there, who, what, wait, was it 35 receptions over? What is that, three games? If he played three extra games, no big deal. It's, uh, yeah, Incredible. I mean, a crazy, crazy this amount is, of receptions. That's why, I, I mean, I can... Mackenzie Alexander has absolutely taken steps since I played with him, but the biggest problem for me is Kendricks. If he's not 100%. No question. Because I feel like this team doesn't need a run game to get going. They're not like the team that's like, man, we're really depending on this running the ball. They're just like, dude, we'll slice you up any which way we want to. We just haven't decided yet. And for them this week, it could be, hey, listen, let's attack Kendricks. Let's get Kamara running those Texas routes, some flat routes. You know, He loves to just get out of the backfield, stutter step, and he's either going in, out. There's times he does the seam route. I mean, and another thing, too, is that swing route. They love that stupid swing route. I hate it. Drives me nuts. He's like, Breeze will go like one, two, three, four, I'm perfect swing route. Like, oh my God, it just drives me nuts. Yeah, he is. He is very perfect. hard to stop when he's so playing perfect. well. And in his last four games, he has 137 quarterback rating. By the way, here's away. another stat that you'll love. Mm. Uh, Michael Thomas, this year, 52 of his one zillion receptions, I think it was 148, 52 of them and 64 targets came out of the slot. And so if your slot corner is out, then are you asking Rhodes to shadow? And at this time in Rhodes' yes. career, asking him to shadow no. is really tough. I think that this is the kind of guy you want him to shadow. Yes, Somebody I agree. That's, that's, physical, and this big. is one of the things that it goes into my... It's like, listen, X likes to be physical, Michael. Thomas likes to be physical. Now, listen, I, I was reading this article. It popped up on my phone about how like everyone's going to be happy about the refs. If the refs become a problem this year, I'm going to lose it. <laughs> like If everyone complains about these stupid refs again, like they yeah. better not hose the Saints. Yo, they better not hose the game. That ruined I don't the first care week of the who Super Bowl it is. last year. Right. I don't care if it's the Patriots. I don't care if it's Paul Brown's team. Stop hosing games. If Michael Thomas wants to be physical, let Xavier be physical back. We'll it's see a huge who wants factor. to play. It's a huge factor. But then here's the thing. is like You can't call DPI or OPI. Like At some point, you have to be like, listen, we're just going to let you two go at it. And that will However, it falls. It falls. It is weird that you know, even with Rhodes being one of the worst corners in the league by quarterback rating against, of all the corners that have to go against Michael Thomas, you would still give him maybe the best yeah. shot because of his size and strength. There are not too many six one guys with his type of strength. He's only you're, we, he has the worst quarterback rating because he is so physical that he gets in so much trouble because of it. That's the only reason. Like I feel like people say that and they're like, wow, he must be bad. No, he's just bad because he likes to be physical and that's not the league that they want anymore. But for some games, like if you're going to play a receiver that doesn't mind a little push, doesn't mind a little grab here or there, let him play, man. This is for everything. Like you got to just throw all the cards on the table. And if these, I'm telling you, dude, I'll lose it. If refs ruin this game, I'll be so mad. Like, uh, oh, we have to get the Saints back for last. Oh, my God, we feel terrible. Yeah, Dude, I, don't do that. But don't. because of their reaction, I wonder if it would go the don't. opposite way. You know, wh- Whichever way it goes, there will be conspiracy theories. But they, um, that's another thing, too, though. They're just like terrible penalties. The Saints. They're sec- terrible. Second in the league. Yeah, and you terrible. have You do have to wonder if they've been a little bit. You know, punished by the refs this year. You oh have to God. wonder that. You there have to because this no, was I saw their were, secondary. Like, the city was trying to uh, sue the the NFL to play the game again or what something. A, what a joke! So, right? Yeah, oh, of course. Uh, all right, let's take a break. When we come back, we have a mystery guest. I don't Ooh. know who play, it hey, is. Play the, play the bells. Play the bells for the mystery guest. Who will help us with the path to victory, possibly? Uh, all right, we'll let the bells play us out here for this segment. We'll be back a mystery guest that everyone is excited about, but I don't know. So we'll return here on Purple Daily. 
Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business. Visit FederatedInsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. Okay, Jonathan is supposed to be doing the Score North download, but he was on the phone. So we're you, good. Okay, you just want to go right Are to it? Are we good? Yeah, we'll get, let's, we're let's, good. let's get just, right to it. I'll just play the highlight Don't here. Don't even here wait. Bradford okay. deep down the middle and on target again to Adam Thielen. Mike Zimmer, Pat Shermer talked about the need for more explosive plays. They're getting them. Here's a very explosive play. It's a touchdown to Stephon Diggs. The Vikings okay. trying to attack deep down the middle. Adam Thielen running free in the secondary and corralled by P.J. Williams. Seven TD catches last year, 83 catches for the year. They throw to Diggs. Is it a catch and is it in the end zone? Yes and yes. And he punched the ball into the stands after a Minnesota touchdown. Those are just a few of the highlights of the next mystery guest, but I thought it only fitting since this is the first guest of this decade that we bring on the first pick of the last decade. And I welcome in now the great Sam Bradford. How are you? Oh, boom. What's up, brother? I am good, man. I am good. How about you? I'm doing great, man. It's great to hear your voice. Where are you at? Are you in Oklahoma right now? Yes, sir. I'm soaking up the sun in lovely Oklahoma City. God, that sounds amazing. Not... All right, Sam, so I was not prepared for this guest at all because you are the mystery guest. So I, I guess uh, the first thing I want to ask is just is just how you're doing. I mean, I haven't seen a lot of oh, interviews with you. I know you're not like a huge social media guy. And just uh, since you've been out of the NFL, uh, what have you been up to? Oh, man, life is great. Uh, man, just enjoying being a dad. I got a little boy who... Uh, He's two, and then we're going to have a little girl sometime in the next few weeks. Oh, congratulations. So, man, honestly, just kind of enjoying being a dad and hanging out and getting to do some things that I haven't got to do, you know, because of football. So how, how much football do you watch? Are you still like a, a football junkie, or have you kind of backed <laughs> away a little bit and focused on your golf game? Yeah. Uh, well, definitely, you know, the summer of the golf game is pretty good. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'll watch it. Um, you know, my two-year-old, he doesn't have a whole lot of patience for football right now. So the odds of us ever sitting down to watch a full game are pretty slim. Um, you know, but if it's on, I'll definitely take a peek and, you know, try to watch what I can. Dude, I got to know, have you ever thought about going into coaching? Because I used to, I, I, I tell the guys down here about like the meetings I used to sit in with you and the things that you, like, your brain was one of the most amazing things I had ever seen in the NFL in my life. So have you ever thought about it? Uh, man, I would love to coach minus the stress and the time commitments. Uh. So other than, other than those two things, it would be great. Um, you know, maybe, Maybe later down the line, um, you know, as my kids get older, I would think about it because I do love the game and I think coaching would be a, a great way to stay involved and to be around it. But I mean, you've seen it, you know what those guys go through, um, you know, the season. I mean, they probably put in more hours than we do. Yep. And, uh, you know, right now I just think that would be, that would be tough to spend that much time away from my family. 
Absolutely. Talking with Sam Bradford here on Purple Daily. Yeah, I, I agree with you. There's pictures of Mike Zimmer when he took the job and pictures now, and it's like the presidents, you know, how they all have like gray hair when they're done. It's the same kind of thing for uh, for coaches. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I want to ask you just about, you know, that when you were here as a Minnesota Viking, and it's one of those things that Alex and I, because you guys played together, we talk about all the time of sort of what could have been in the Sam Bradford era. I, I want to know what your, what your favorite part of the time that you were a Viking, and what part that kind of keeps you up at night still? Um, man, I love Minnesota. I mean, I really, I have a lot of great memories. Um, you know, I wasn't there for a super long time, but um, man, obviously the year that you know I got to play with Boone, <laughs> that was obviously that was always entertaining. Coming to work with him, um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Obviously, what keeps me up is just the knee injury. Um, you know, I think it was extremely frustrating to come out and, you know, play the way I did and play the way we did, you know, week one against the Saints. And then, you know, for my knee to kind of respond and act the way it did the rest of the year, you know, that was frustrating just because, you know, we did have a great team and, you know, I was really looking forward, um, you know, to kind of what we were going to be able to do that year. Sam, I got a question for you because there's there's talk about Stefanski possibly leaving to go be a head coach somewhere, and, th- and then that's just another yeah. OC to kind of roll in through here. Number one, what are your thoughts on Stefanski becoming a head coach? You think he's ready? Man, I think Stefanski's great. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was there, you know, uh, my second year when he stepped into the role as quarterbacks coach, um, you know, just being in the meetings with him on a day to day and watching the way that you know, he prepared in the way that he got us prepared to play. Um, it was extremely impressive, uh, you know, from the way that, you know, he broke down tape to the way his mind kind of worked through things and how to attack a defense. And then you look at, you know, what he's done this year, given the chance, you know, to call the plays and to be the man in charge. Um, man, I think that, you know, he's definitely, you know, a serious candidate to take one of these head coaching jobs. You know, what's interesting, Sam, is just the demeanor that Kevin has since I've been covering the team. He is about the calmest guy. I mean, he doesn't seem to... Alex and I were joking about how I don't get too high or too low on the radio, unlike Alex, um, <laughs> who's just always at always at you should, you should uh, 11. Seen, you should have seen Boone on the football field. Oh, ah, yeah. yeah. He gets, if you think that he gets like that on the radio, I can only imagine... <laughs> If you were able to see him in the huddle at times. Uh, so yeah, well, I've, I've definitely gotten a lesson on what it is like to be Alex Boone's teammate as doing this show uh, throughout the year. And I, and I could say good, good teammate, it's but always best. scares you a little. Um, so. <laughs> but but with Stefanski, I mean, I think he is. I think he has a good demeanor for it because it is such yeah. a, an emotional roller coaster every single season. So the the best coaches that you had along the way was that a trait uh, that you think that they had? Oh, for sure. Um, you know, I think, you know, as a coach or a player, the longer you're in the league, you know, I think the more you understand just how much of a marathon and not a sprint the season is. Um, you know, every year you're going to rise and you're going to have lows, but, you know, you've got to just stay even keeled and realize that, you know, if you didn't play great one week, you know, you've got to bounce back the next week and get ready to go. Um, and I think Stefanski, he's kind of always had that demeanor. You know, he was great with us, you know, that year, you know, we were obviously rolling, but, you know, his approach never changed week to week. You know, we came in and went about our business the same, regardless of how the prior week had went. And I think that's really 
what you're looking for, you know, especially in a head coach, you know, someone that's able to deal, you know, with success and adverse and adversity in a positive way, um, you know, and motivate and encourage his team to do better each week. I got to say, I think that you guys are both great that year, Stefanski and you, and, and being as calm as you were and level-headed. When you talk about having – is it true you've had seven offensive coordinators? And I stopped counting, but yeah. <laughs> so here's my question. You have that many OCs. Yeah. And it goes, I mean, every year it's different. Does, does that play mental yeah. games, especially for you being the quarterback? Well, how's that like? Yeah, you know, obviously, you know, it's tough when you're learning a new system. Um, you know, I would equate it to really learning a new language every year, um, you know, where you're trying to lean on – maybe a pass offense or a pass language and then you hear the new play call and you've got to translate it into the new offense or the new language and what that means. Um, whereas, you know, when you're in the same system, which, you know, it only happened to me a couple of times in my career, but, you know, you're really able to grow, you know, in year two, you know, year three, right. when you're speaking that same language, um, you know, things become more natural. You're able to take more control. Um, you know, it's not as much of a learning process as it is really a mastering process, uh, you know, and understanding exactly, you know, what you want to do, you know, with the play call that you're given and with the choices you have to change it at the line. So I would say that, you know, the longer you're in a system, the more comfortable you become, um, you know, just the more freedom and the more options you kind of have. Yeah, and Sam, I guess I always wonder what would have happened in 2017 with another year with Pat Shermer, who you know um, so well, if you had gotten to yeah. play that entire season and what type of numbers you could have put up. I, I am interested, numbers. though, you know, because when you were there, it's it's you and it's Pat and it's Kevin kind of separated from Zimmer's defense. And, uh, yeah. you know, your but your relationship with Zimmer, I was there when you knocked him down and nearly <laughs> dislodged his other eye uh, in yeah. uh, training camp. I feel like, just from my perspective, reporting on that 2017 camp, that you guys built a relationship that was good at that point. What was what was it like being a Zimmer quarterback? It was great. Um, man, I, I tell people in this day that you know I love Coach Zimmer. You know, I think he's probably you know the favorite coach that I've ever played for. You know, it's it's a lot of tough love, but you know that you know when he compliments you, you know, or he praises you, that he really means it. Um, you know, but that year, I think our relationship really developed. You know, he took some time off um, in the off season to deal, you know, with his eye. Mm-hmm. He was having some of those procedures done. And so, you know, he really wasn't around a lot um, during OTAs. And so, but he would watch the film every day and then we would text about it. And, you know, I think that's where our relationship really took off. You know, and it really helped me just because, you know, we would talk about, things from a defensive standpoint, you know, how defenses were going to try to stop us, what they were looking at, you know, what he thought defenses were keen on, you know, and we would go through, you know, like that year before we played the Saints, I remember sitting with him, you know, Monday, you know, we probably spent 30 minutes together just watching the tape of their defense. He gave me his thoughts on their defensive coordinator, his favorite calls, what he liked to do. Um, you know, so I had a great relationship with Zim and I learned a lot about defensive football, you know, and the way defenses, you know, the way they think, the way they break down offensive opponents, how they try to stop them. 
Um, you know, so I was very grateful for the time that Zim took, you know, to spend with me and to teach me about defenses. Dude, you know what's crazy is like, imagine what these two would have done with the whole training camp together, like getting ready between Zim and the defense and Sam and the offense would have been absolutely stunning. So now here's what I got to know, because everyone's counting. I'd say a lot of people are counting the Vikings out because they're going down to New Orleans. Do you think the Vikings have a chance this week to go down there and stifle the Saints? Of course. Um, you know, with, you look at the way that Jim has built these teams. I mean, his defense is always going to give his team a chance to win, right? Right. I mean, the way that they play, the way they get pressure on the quarterback, if they force a couple turnovers and the offense capitalizes, I mean, there's no doubt that, you know, the Vikings can beat anyone on any given day. Um, now, will they? Who knows? But, I mean, if you're asking if they've got a chance, they've definitely got a chance to go down there and win. Yeah. Well. Okay. So you shredded the heck out of the New Orleans Saints defense a couple of years ago. What What was the key to that game, and how can you repeat that? Obviously, Delvin went over a hundred yards. So let's just start there. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. I mean, I think I think throughout the year, everyone's seen that. You know, for the Vikings, you know, to play well, Dalvin needs to play well, get the run game going. Um, yeah. I think blocking Cam Jordan's probably a big one of the do. first things that they've got to handle <laughs> yeah. and take care of. Um, you know, but it's the playoffs. I mean, everything matters. I mean, you got to win the turnover battle. You know, you got to stay ahead of the sticks. No penalties. You know, you've got to play. You know, the best football of the season to win in advance each week. That is a classic Sam Bradford. Like, po- you just went into podium mode there. <laughs> sure did. Like, what? Wait, what just happened? We played great. They played great. <laughs> like, like you weren't blinking yeah. and staring right at the reporters. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you know you do that, but we're like, is he looking? Like, is he looking through my soul? Maybe that's just the thing you do. He used to do it to me, too. He'd be like, he did it. He'd go like this. No. I'd be like, ah, oh, no. Like Probably depends on if I thought your question was valid or not. <laughs> that's incredible. Uh, so, wait, do you mean more eye contact is less valid? Or I, I, I'm, I'm not understanding. Now I'm We're like backwards. thinking back, We're like, backwards. wait, yes, I ask him this uh, or like, what's that? I'm sorry, Sam. He took it too far. He took it too far. <laughs> Uh, something I'd love to know to uh, to wrap up here, and I really appreciate your time, Sam. This is a great mystery oh, yeah. guest. I I got Alex Frank Gore last week, so he had to get me back with a cool guest. Dude, because... you are more you're Frank Gore level, dude. Yeah. Absolutely, no uh, questions. There we go. So something that I like to hear. I've talked about on the show is there was a throw in training camp that you made to Stephon Diggs in 2017. That is, I know training camp, but it was the night practice, and I swear mm. it's one of the best throws I've ever seen in my entire life. So nice. And I, I, I wonder what you think is the best throw you made as a Viking, because your downfield percentage was in, incredible, throwing to Thielen and Diggs. I wonder if you had a favorite I have one too. Favorite throw. Oh gosh! I'll let I'll let Alex get one, one first, too. and then I don't know. I don't know if Sam's going to remember this, but it was against the Green Bay Packers, the first game in the stadium. Diggs. It was three ninety two protection, Play action, and I had right? to block uh, Mike Daniels all by myself, and he went right through me. And I remember giving up ground grudgingly, and I go, "Man, <laughs> Sam, better throw this ball." I swear to God, the sweetest looking ball came out from the right side of my head, and I was like. I go, Mike, that's a pretty ball. And 72 <laughs> yards later, Diggs caught it. And I was like, my God, that was beautiful. I almost killed Sam because I tackled him so hard. I loved him. I, this guy was incredible. I, I think I do remember that. But, yeah, it was probably – I would say mine would probably be uh, – golly, I don't know. I feel like the first touchdown to probably Rudolph in the stadium. That was just – there were a lot of nerves going into that yeah. Green Bay game. I there think was. I'd only been there a couple weeks. And – uh you know, I was really hoping that it went well, and we went out and played great and got the win. And, uh, you know, I would say 
that was a pretty memorable game for me. I keep trying to encourage through the radio Kirk Cousins to use Kyle Rudolph. It's he's he's, he's yeah. just We're trying, dude. so massive, yeah. and if you just throw it yeah. anywhere near yeah. him, it will stick to him. Yeah. I, I I will say, you know, throwing to Rudy is you know kind of an acquired deal because he looks covered most of the time, yeah. but he's so big and his hands are so good that if you just give him a chance, he's going to catch it. Now you did. And that's something I. That's something I learned pretty quickly. Yes, is, you threw to him a lot. Eighty-three that, catches that year. Yeah, you know, you know, Scott Turner, our quarterback coach. You know, when I first got there, we kind of ran through the roster, and he just kind of gave me a breakdown of you know what we had and kind of each person's strengths. And he's like, "Listen," he was like, "If you're ever in doubt, just throw it to Rudy." He was like, "I promise you, he'll catch it. If it's anywhere near him, he will catch it." So, and uh, that's something that just kind of stuck. And sure enough. If you put it in Rudy's area, he's coming down. So this is funny. Uh, Alex, I have turned Alex into a huge analytics fan not a, not a chance, recently. Yeah. And uh, the cra- the crazy thing is about that is when throwing to, when anyone during his entire career throws to Kyle Rudolph, the quarterback has 112 quarterback rating. Like, just just throw it to no, him. You'll be okay. Just throw it to him. Right, exactly. Um, so let me, let, let me just ask you this, Sam, before we let you go, man. Um Cousins, like your thoughts. You you guys played him in 2016. It was actually a great battle. Uh, you guys oh, went back dude, and forth. Don't do that. I, okay, I'm sorry. Oh, I know that's the uh, that's the Jake Long last don't game. Don't do that, it. I just I just I just need I need I need a cor- I'm sorry. I need a cor- yeah. It's like you're 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 doing us a favor being the guest. Like remember that game you lost? I'm sorry for doing that. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm, Sam. I'm just I just need a quarterback's like what you see to another quarterback with Kirk Cousins. Like, well, how do you view him? Yeah, I think Kirk's a good player. You know, I think, honestly, I feel like sometimes he gets a lot of heat that's probably not justified, you know. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of the nature of the beast. I mean, you know, as a quarterback, you probably get more praise than you should when you win, and you probably take more blame when you lose. But I think Kirk's done a great job. Um, you know, it's it's a tough position to come into up there, you know, with – there's a lot of expectations, you know, with that defense and that team to win. But, you know, I think he's handled it well. And, you know, he's played really well, you know, for what, 10 or 12 weeks now. Yep. Were, were you staring right through me on that question? Or not? It's felt like he could burn through your soul. <laughs> <laughs> No, not at all. Uh, all right. Well, I, I encourage you, Sam, since I'm just handing out advice here to quarterbacks. Keep playing golf, man. We uh, congratulations you. that that you're going to have. Congrats, a new Sam. That's I, awesome, dude. I'm I'm uh, from the stories that I've heard about your golf game. I'm extremely jealous because I love golf and am terrible. So, um, best of luck to you there, and uh, hopefully we can do it again, man. Sure. I mean, if if you start, you know, once your kids start to get a little older, you get to grind some tape. Come back on talk football anytime with me and Alex. Yeah, that sounds good, guys. I appreciate that. Thanks for having me today. Thanks All for right, coming yeah, on. Take today, care, Sam. Sam. Thanks. All right, yep, see you guys. That's awesome. That was great. Dude, yeah. he's great. Now, it's Love funny because um, just with Sam, I had to continually tell Twitterers and our listeners, he is insanely talented. You have no idea. And when you put 
a struggling couple of tackles who I think were second, third string You're tackles. You're doing it again. You're going down this road. We I don't know. need to. I know. We could just be like, yeah, those are bad here. And, uh, it, but it wasn't. It, uh, that's the thing is that it was so close to being a really good year. It's so close to Chargers, being an amazing story. Where you're the mean yeah. that like, oh, every game by three points. Well, you didn't do the three points. Yeah. So you deserve to lose yeah, the game. Yeah, like, I know. And I probably shredded the hell out of Sam after those games. No, no, no. I hope you didn't. No, I, I'm sure I did. I mean, that's the job. But, <sighs> but. Uh, his overall Viking career will always have that what if he had played yeah. in 2017 because as the Vikings rode that magic carpet ride throughout that season, it was always in the back of everyone's mind, including Mike Zimmer, that you know, in case this thing is going to fall apart at some point. And there was even some conversation of, would you be crazy enough to start Sam because he's healthy in the NFC Championship that. game? And of course, everyone said no. But you don't want to do that. Yeah, you can't do that. You can't do that, especially because that's not right. Number one to the player that you're benching, and number two, it's not right to your team. Like you've gone so far with this one guy, and now at the last minute, you're all going to bail. Like that would, as a teammate, that would nothing could hurt you more than that. Like you'd be like, dude, Casey. <laughs> I don't even know what to say to you, man. So, I don't even know what yeah. we're doing. You know, like you, how do you bring that up? Hey, team meeting, quick, got it. Uh, Casey's done. Like you, you would <laughs> have guys throwing, the yeah. You'd have guys <laughs> throwing things at you. They'd be like, dude, go yeah. sit down. Yeah. Uh, th- so that happened once uh, in Buffalo in the the actually another miracle game, the Music City Miracle. Mm. Rob Johnson started over Doug Flutie, even though Doug Flutie had started the whole year because Johnson was the guy that they had traded a top pick for and the owner demanded that Johnson played because he was good in Week 17. So it has happened. But that's the one thing that always I keep coming back to is the team was so good. It's the number one defense in the NFL. They could run the ball. Jarek and Latavius were really good running the ball. And... Uh, Thielen and Diggs are at their best as they have been for a couple of years now, but they're they're emerging as being an unstoppable duo with a guy whose arm was just golden. Bradford's accuracy down the field Stupid. was so incredible, and to have we talk about all the time about Kirk and his ability to throw down the field with the play actions and stuff like that. Well, in 2016, Bradford was every bit as good with play action as Kirk Cousins has been. The problem was they didn't get to use it that often right. because it was a struggling running game. and that, that, that killed us. Yeah, and, you, and losing some games you, and things like that. It just wasn't able you, to be used as much. If you can't run power, you can't fake running power. Like Nobody's going to step up. And that's why, that's why so many teams are like, well, why, why can't this team just use play action? Because they have no run game. A team's going to play them in, against nickel and dime the whole game. I, mean, I remember times when we were here and Chad would come out, Greenway. Yeah. In nickel and dime. And there were games he didn't even play. Because we would just play teams in nickel and dime because they were like, listen, this team has no run game. And if yeah. they do for some reason get one, we're just going to put Chad right back in. Like, we're fine. So with him, dude, Sam could get it done without a run game. I mean, there were games that we put on his back. And I mean, I think that Washington goes differently. Has Jake not torn his ace or his Achilles? And, yeah. You know, and then the last play of the game, we got to chuck it up with a, you know, I mean, it's just. Things that were like, my God, this cannot be real life right now. And it was. And it was, Sam did a great job of keeping everybody calm because he was one of those guys. You, you, I mean, you heard him. He never gets too high. He laughs a little bit. Like when he would laugh, we'd be like, oh, God, he laughed. Because, <laughs> you know, he was just always so like, he was the guy that everybody respected in the room. He was the Peyton Manning. He was the guy that was like, hey, listen, we like these. Let's do this instead. You'd be like, oh, my God. This is amazing to watch this dude talk. See, that's what's interesting to me about Bradford and his relationship with Zimmer and how they built this bond 
through, I remember that, with the OTAs where yeah. he was in Kentucky uh, recovering with the eye, where they basically told him, Mike, you have to get away from football. No, You're not going to like see stuff. Right. And that's going to be a problem for coaching football. Right. And then him texting, I remember that, with him texting Bradford, and they became, by training camp, Close, yeah. not in this exactly the same way with they Teddy, were. but really like that, like they really were. a close bond. And it is notable that with Kirk, we're in year two, and it still feels like it's a totally yeah. different it's planet. It's, yeah, it's it's just I think it's different personalities too. Like like I said, Sam kind of gave up this like yo. I'm the boss. And it wasn't in a disrespectful way. It was just like everything's going to roll through this brain. So at the end of the day, if I see eye to eye with you, we're all good. If we don't see eye to eye, then we need to talk it out. And Sam was big at like giving guys their respect. Like if a receiver was like, hey, listen, Sam, I think we should do this. He would totally consider it and be like, all right. Well, and then he'd look around and be like, well, is that going to affect us with the safety? Is it going to, you know, and if the other coaches would come down, like, listen, Sam, I don't think we can do it. You know, they might buzz down and say, he'd be like, listen. Why don't we save that for next week? Like, he was very open to guys. That's why, like, this exchange you see sometimes on the sideline, you never saw that with Sam. Nobody would have ever yelled at Sam like that. Like, no, yeah. oh, you, you need to throw me the ball. He'd be like, what? Dude, I threw you a pretty ball. You didn't catch it. Like, that was the only thing he would have said back to people. Mm-hmm. And I remember him in the huddle. Like, he was very nuts and bolts about it. Like, he said, like, you should have heard Booney on the field. There were times he'd look at me and be like, yo, shut it. I'd be like, all right. <laughs> Done. Because I was trying to keep guys happy and like we're yeah. good, we're yeah. okay, we're gonna keep going. And Sam back, no, it's time to get serious. Doesn't matter how they feel, we gotta go. But yeah, go time. And uh, it's interesting because he becomes a guy that ends up as somewhat of a punching bag for snarky people Dude. with the Ooh. Bradford with oh, I'll fight. I'll the fight people talking with, about him. Right, and that, and well, that's what I'm talking about is the contract that. He had, you know, coming out as a rookie, it was different. It wasn't like if you get drafted, you get X dollars, you negotiate it. And then he was in Philadelphia in a very uncomfortable situation with them drafting a quarterback and him wanting to get out of there. And it was, there was a holdout that was weird and sort of. Uh, ended up putting him in the headlines. It was Carson Wentz, wasn't it? It, it was. That was when it they was. drafted him, and they were like, "No way, they're going to start Carson Wentz." And then they traded. Yeah, dude, that it, was crazy. It feels like forever yeah, ago, it but it, it put him in the crosshairs of a lot of criticism because he didn't win a ton of games in St. Louis and in uh, Philadelphia, to, and then in Minnesota. To but, his credit, though, when he was in St. Louis, I was in the 49ers. Their defense was really. Suspect. Well, like, that was the thing is that he, like he mentioned, he it tells you how much circumstance plays a role in whether players succeed or not. Right. He has multiple knee injuries that ultimately end his career. Sure. He has a bad organization in St. Louis that drafts him number one. He plays pretty well, but never could build off of that right. around him. And actually, Kirk Cousins is the opposite of Sam Bradford, where Cousins has dropped himself, even though Washington is a bus fire, they had Sean McVay. They had they did have Sean McVay. Deshaun Watson, Pierre yeah. Garçon, two great tight ends. I mean, they had all, all these great situations for him, just like he has now, and he's able to succeed. So I'll always think of Bradford as one that has a lot of different Things you can talk about. And I think it was a great mystery guest. Good thank job, you. Alex. Thank you. And thank you. All right. When we come back, Jeremiah Searles. <gasps> so it's just like a 2016 party here. Jeremiah Searles is going to break it down. When we return here, you listen to Purple Daily on Score North. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. <laughs> Change up all the time, anyway. Um, you know, you can't just sit there and play 
two deep. You can't just sit there and play three deep. You got to mix up all the different things. You got to give him as many looks as you can give him. And he's very smart. He's a great competitor. Extremely accurate. Obviously, moves well in the pocket. So um, we'll just have to see. At some point. Mike Zimmer will have to just start making up compliments for Drew Brees. Like he is, uh, he can do the alphabet backwards. <laughs> like it's amazing. You should see it. <laughs> I mean, what else can you say about Drew Brees? At the he leads the NFL in history in what yards and touchdowns. Can you really say anything so, about him? Um, yeah, I mean, but I don't think there's anything new. That's what I'm saying. Like, say. Is there anything yeah. new? Like you should expect he's just the goat. He's great. Yeah, he is. Um, I I got one that people don't realize with Drew Brees more athletic than you think. I wouldn't have thought that. Yeah, uh, he came out in the same year as Sage Rosenfels, and Sage is talking about how he's like a terrific basketball player. And actually, I looked back at his combine results; surprisingly good. Really? Yeah, like he had a really good like, jump and stuff. I think. Yeah, well, I can get this because I, I saw Sam's yesterday. I was a little surprised. Was it fast? Yeah, faster than you thought. Faster than I thought. Yeah, Sam, Sam Let's was see not what Drews a, was. He was not a burner. Uh, Drews was a four eight three, which is probably about average, dude. In, Sam's was a 4-7. Really? Wow, that's... I know! Plus, he's big. But I know! 20-yard shuttle, he was in the 74th percentile, which I know you're not a math guy, but that's really good. So that means Bree's like really quick feet. So out of four guys, he was... Wait, wait. Yeah. Alex Boone's yours just comes up and says, annoying guy. That's weird. Okay. Nah, okay. gotcha. Gotcha. Actually, your bench was in the 94th percentile. Aren't you proud? No. And you shouldn't be. Uh, and uh, now we bring in Jeremiah Searles with that transition. What's going on, Jeremiah? <laughs> oh, hey, boys. How's it going? Nothing makes my day than listen, trying to listen to Boone do math. Searles, <laughs> what did you run your 40 in? Let's hear it. I didn't go to the combine, so you can't find it. Come on, dude. You had to have a pro Don't day, be though, shy. Right? You had a pro day. I honestly, I think it was like a 5-2, slow as could be. I'm gonna, I'm gonna see. If, I'm, I'm just gonna see looking at like I'm looking right I'm now. I'm gonna see if I can find his, right, his pro. Hey, day. since he's looking that up, what's going on with your boys over in Nebraska? Did you guys even make a bowl game this year? Papa John's bowl, Marco's uh, bowl. We did not. We did not. We did not make a bowl game this oh, year. We're so close. We were close. We were close. We, hey, we had one more win than we did the year before. So marked improvement. Oh my god! It was it was marked improvement. But did I'll say this, man. How about the Big Ten just absolutely crushing it in bowl games lately, though? I know Wisconsin dropped yeah. it last night, but I mean Minnesota. As much as it pains me, them sticking it to Auburn was nice <laughs> to see, dude. But then, I mean, watching your boys at Ohio State, that, that had to make you a little sad. That, that, you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I watched like the last two quarters, and that is exactly why I don't watch college football. Because somebody's like, you know what? I'm going to outthink the dumbest game. I'm going to go the other way on this route. <laughs> like, dude, no, you won the route. What are you doing? I'm going to outthink everybody. That's why you won't go pro. Sorry, bro. <laughs> also, you know what? Uh, go for it on fourth down, too. Right, I'm just yes, going to say that in, in that situation. I 100% agree. Uh, Jeremiah, we have a football game here that is the postseason for the Vikings and the Saints, and uh, I, I just I I want to hear your breakdown of the Saints defense. You face them; they're talented at this point, and it's mm. not like those defenses where Drew Brees couldn't even win nine games because they were 32nd in the league. Like they've got a lot of talent, but they've also got some weaknesses too, and a lot of guys that you would have played against on that side. So, what are the Vikings up against? Uh, the Vikings offense up against with the Saints. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at the Saints defense and you look across the board and you're like, man, I don't necessarily know if there's like a glaring hole, which at times you look and you're like, okay, there's certain things you can look at. But I think if there's one spot that they're going to have to attack, it's going to be the fact that Sheldon Rankins, I think, is going to still be out. Yes, and that's so, correct. I mean, yes. Yeah, so the Vikings offense is a run-first offense. I mean, that, there's no question about that. I mean, you watched 
what happened the week last two weeks with Dalvin Cook not playing, and it's it's almost like no one knows where to go or no one knows where to see. So I mean, the big thing is they're going to have to attack the interior run game with Dalvin and Madison. But I mean, the big thing too is going to be can they protect Kirk? Right. I mean, Packers came after them, and the front four had a front five had a tough day. I mean, you're looking at Cameron Jordan on one side, you got Davenport on the other side. I mean, this is a talented group that can get after the passer. And I think the big thing for the Vikings attacking this team is to make sure they don't fall behind. Right. Because if the Vikings fall behind, they're really going to struggle. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Say they do. Say that they're going and, you know, Drew's doing his thing. He's got three touchdowns. They're down. If you're the Vikings, do you continue to run the ball? Say they're down two touchdowns. Do you continue to run the ball as much as you would if you were up? I think you do. I think you, I think that in order for them, Kirk is better on play action. Kirk is better when he doesn't have to throw the ball 50 times a game. But I think the best thing is, like you said, if they fall behind, don't abandon the run game altogether. I mean, as an offensive lineman, Booney, you know that drives oh, yeah. nuts, especially if it's early. Yep. I mean, if you get an offensive coordinator starts, if Drew goes and does this thing in the first quarter and it's 14 to three, 14 nothing going into the second quarter, I mean, there's still so much football left to play that you just can't abandon the run game. And as an lineman, that's what you're just begging the coordinator, like stick with it, stick with it, because these two yards, three yards, hopefully come five, six, then they become ten, then they become twenty. I mean, that's. I think that's how the Vikings have to attack this. That's how the Vikings have to continue to do this, is just not panic, but stick with the run game. Now, you drop three scores, there's only so much you can do. Exactly. Yeah, no, once you're down 21, then you're going two-minute no matter what. We know that. Indiana. Remember uh, Indianapolis oh, that year? Indianapolis. Dude, yeah, we yep. came out yep. at halftime. They were like, two-minute. We were like, oh, God. <laughs> we, what did we run? 65 <laughs> pass plays that game? God, that was terrible. Yep. Now, we ran, no, we ran 65. We ran 65 true drop back protection. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. 65, wouldn't like Sam was like 50 of 65. I was like, dude, that's incredible. And, and you were just complaining about me bringing up heartbreaking games from No, it's different when I bring it up, though, because oh, okay. yeah, we, we, we like to do this. But here's my question. <laughs> do you think that he could, do you think that Kirk has the ability, say that they get down three scores. Say they're not even down at all. Say they're just going, and the run game's not producing. Do you think Kirk has the ability to take this defense and put it on his shoulders? I think I think he does with a healthy feeling and a healthy digs. Right. I think if with just one of those guys, I think it's really hard. It's really hard because they don't really have that number three receiver that can stretch the field. They've kind of been searching for that. BC Johnson's done a nice job this year at times. You got Laquan still kind of doing his thing. But as far as when you have a healthy feeling, a healthy digs, and a Kyle Rudolph, I think that's when you can yes, you can definitely take over the passing game in this. I mean, you really haven't had a healthy feeling since what mid year, right? I yep. mean, and so I think that's going to be a huge piece to this. I mean, I remember Diggs and Thielen both having pretty big games when we played the Saints. Um, what was that, a couple of years back in Sammy B's first mm-hmm. game or whatever it was? And then even in the playoff game, we had some really success with them. So I think they're going to be really important. And then the biggest piece, too, is going to be the screen game. I think the Dalvin out of the backfield is going to be a big piece of Kirk's passing yards. Just a quick get the ball in his hands and make some guys miss and get 12, get 20, get whatever you can. Talking with Jeremiah Searles here on Purple Daily, Matthew Collar and Alex Boone. Well, Jeremiah, how do you sort of contextualize as someone who's been on the opposite side battling your offense against Drew Brees' offense, uh, what, it, what it is like to go against him? I mentioned the stats that he's put up, and he's a, a small guy, but an intimidating figure in what he's been able to do. Sometimes Zimmer's defenses have slowed him down, other times not. What is it like to look over there and see one of the great players to ever step on a football field? I think you got to look at him, and from the word go, you have to think, okay, how do we disrupt him? Because you look at him, and you're like, dude, if you let this guy get in a rhythm, it's over. 
I mean, it really is. Like, there's just people, he's done it to team after team, coordinator after coordinator. Year after year. And I mean, you, you just, yeah, year after year, and you just have to look at him and be like, okay, what can we do differently that someone else hasn't done? And that can almost get you in trouble. Um, I think coaches sometimes think, okay, I have to do something so different that Drew's like, okay, well, that's just dumb. And then he picks them apart even more versus like, you know, what, I'm just going to trust my guys. I'm going to trust my players. I mean, Drew's going to know where he wants to go with the ball in every play. And it's really going to be a matter of can the defense make a play on the ball? Can the defense fool him? Maybe not by the coverage, but maybe by Harry doing just like maybe Harrison does something different in his alignment or he does something different to tweak his game. Like that's how this defense slows down Drew Brees. But I mean, you, you look at the guy across from the field and you're just like, man, like you just think about it. I remember in the playoff game when we kicked the field goal or we scored the touchdown, and then I was like, we gave him too much time, and there was like 40 seconds left or something like that. Because that's just the type of player he is. You just you don't want him on the field as much as possible, and I think that's going to be a big key too. Is how much can we keep him off the field as a Vikings defense? Right. And then when you're talking about that, we're talking about Kendricks too, might possibly not being 100%. How much do you think that's going to equate into this defense? I mean, you talk about that's huge. Yeah, him going against Alvin Kamara, like, dude, that could you. That's one of those things you don't want to get started. Right. I mean, and he's the guy too that you know he's going to make every tackle on the field. Right. I mean, that's the dude that he'll be sideline to sideline, hash to hash, number to number. And I think the big thing that I mean, he got it got talked about a lot this year was the fact that he was able his coverage skills have been so great. I mean, you get Eric Wilson. I think he's a good. I think he's a good young backer that is developing, but he's definitely not a Kendricks. You get Kendrell Brothers, who's out there. He's more of a thumper. You get Ben Gideon. I mean, no one can replace what Kendricks does for this defense. And so you got to really hope he's going to be able to go because if he can't go, then I think that that's going to be you're going to see a lot of checkdowns, a lot of halfback option routes, and just really kind of pick on that middle linebacker spot in the pass game. Talking with Jeremiah Searles, former Minnesota Viking. Jeremiah, um, everyone is, of course, being asked about the Minneapolis miracle, and you should see their faces. They just hate it. Uh, but we have no, to ask, sure. right? You just have to. But it, every time, it's just like, uh, how do I dance around this without really talking too much about it? So uh, I respect the non-answers that players are forced to give. But uh, what do you? where were you? I mean, what do you remember about that play yeah. um, when it happened? Honestly, I remember standing on the sideline thinking, well, I can have my truck packed up by tomorrow. <laughs> I, could be, I could be back in Lincoln by Tuesday and start off on Wednesday. And then it was like, oh, my gosh, he got it. Get out of bounds because I was on the field goal team. And so I was like, get out of bounds, get out of bounds. And then when he scored, I was like, oh, my gosh, he won. And I've never had a more moment of, like, disbelief. Like, that actually, that didn't actually happen. Like, in, you always kind of talk about it, like, but it was a true moment of, like, there's no way that actually happened. Like, almost waiting for someone to, like, blow a whistle or a challenge flag or be like, oh, he actually stepped out of bounds or, like, it didn't actually happen. And when it actually finally set in, it was just pure disbelief and pure joy. And I remember now, like, you didn't want to leave the field because it was one of those things, like, you never wanted it to end, that feeling of, like, excitement and you're, you're with your brothers and you're jumping around and you never wanted it to end. But, Newton's law, what comes up must come down. And honestly, I remember the fact that we had such a lethargic Wednesday practice for Philly because everyone was still so, like, drained emotionally from that game. 
I've never seen a locker room like that ever. I mean, just right. all, all over, everywhere you look, just players in in tears and in awe and and stunned. And then the amount of media attention that went along with it. Even me covering the team, I had like twenty radio stations around the country asking for me to come on for ten minutes, like you're doing here, and talk about what happened that day. And I I guess it did make sense that going to Philly after that was going to be tough. And and that was uh, the other thing I want to ask you, Jeremiah is. Going on the road in the playoffs, I mean, you usually don't see a lot of teams having to go on the road and go all the way through like the Vikings will have to do. What is the hardest part um, of going on the road and playing in the postseason? I mean, the hardest part is the crowd noise. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, especially people know you walk into Minnesota Stadium, it's going to be loud. It's going to be crazy. I mean, I've I've never actually got a chance to play in the Superdome, but I've heard... I mean, Booney, you've been there. I've heard yep. I've just a madhouse. I mean, so, I mean, that's going to be the hardest part because with a defense as skilled as the Saints are and, and with an offense as young with Garrett Bradbury still in there, it, I mean, you're going to have to really make sure you got everything set up right. you got your P's and Q's lined up right. And, I mean, the hard part is you just got to walk into someone else's house. They're comfortable. You're not very comfortable. You're still kind of feel your way in. And playoff football, I mean, the intensity ratchets up tenfold i mean even from regular season you hit playoff football it's a whole nother level so you're talking about this whole nother level wouldn't you rather be the road team like i always kind of enjoyed being the road team in the playoffs because it was so hostile that you were like dude it's either win or sink like it's gonna be everything or nothing see i there's a point i i like that piece but the part that i hate is the pass protection piece oh yeah i mean that's, that. that's the piece as a tackle i mean as a tackle um, you you play tackle like it's different, college, yeah. Like guard, but in tackle, I mean, you want to have that that half a second where you can jump the count and you yeah. get a half foot ahead of that guy. It's just, I mean, it's a game changer. I mean, the fact that you can try and be ahead of that guy and he's waiting on the snap count versus you're looking at the head bob and he's looking at the head bob and you might not have a great eye on it, but you also want to look at him. And I mean, pass protection as a tackle on the road is just brutal, especially when you're going to this guy Cameron Jordan. He's an all-pro. He's a pro bowler. you got Davenport on the other side, uh, number 91, the white guy. I can't remember his name right now, but I mean, there's talented rushers all over that field. He's the white guy. He's the white guy. Yeah, we know about those guys. Don't Everybody's worry. got one. So here's my question. Because <laughs> they've opened the, Dude, Jeremy, we know that they've opened the can of worms. That Packers game, Zadarius Smith just played the blueprint out for how to destroy them. What do you do as an offensive line to fix that right now? What would we have done? I think what we would have done is we would look at, okay, where did where did we not use our help? Right. Um, where, where did this lineman, maybe he slid too far. Maybe he left Garrett too early. Maybe he didn't get out to the tackle in time. I mean, those are little things that use your help. I mean, there was times there was three-man rushes and they were getting home. And that's because, the, I mean, you had two guards that were blocking nobody right. or you had a guard that was I mean, triple-teaming the nose guard and the two defensive ends were going out there. Whereas anything, you should have at least one guy slide and two double teams across the board. And so I think you would look at like, okay, where didn't we use our help? And then Stefanski's going to have to look at it and be like, okay, if we want to do and get really big rushers downfield – then we got to make sure we do slide protection, full slide protection, cover all the gaps, have max protection, maybe two-man routes type of things. So I think that it's going to be a combination of Stefanski helping and also a combination of the guard, the guards getting to where their help is to help their buddy. Right.
Football. 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 So much football in everything that you just said. Uh, Last thing for you, Jeremiah. (laughs) We had uh, Sam Bradford on the show earlier, and everybody I've ever talked to about Sam uh, was amazed with his football knowledge, with his throwing arm, of course. And I cannot help but think what would have happened in 2017 if Sam had been the quarterback. It's always one Mm. of those great what-ifs. So uh, what what is your take on uh, being in that locker room and playing with Sam when he was a Viking? I think the biggest thing was the fact that Sam was able to walk in and, I mean, start. Yeah. I mean, I, that's, I've always, I mean, I've always thought that I'm like, yeah, I'm a pretty smart guy. I can pick up football pretty easily. And to watch what he did week after week, time after time was pretty incredible. And then the accuracy, I mean, but just having him around, I mean, I remember watching him in college and I remember he came into Lincoln and when the Oklahoma played and I mean, he was kind of like this, aha figure that like it was one more of a starstruck moment for me honestly when he walked in and then to sit down with him and just have him realize he's just a dude that just loves ball and like I learned so much from Sam that year as far as like pass protection blitz pickup and how he handled himself and how he studied and I mean I equivalent a lot of my success to spending that year with Sam and even the next year when he wasn't playing how much he'd sit in the old line room and help us how much he him and he would sit there and tell Tony like hey this is how we're doing things and Tony would be like, okay, because he knew Sam knew how to do it. <laughs> and, I mean, the respect that Sam got given right away was pretty cool to watch because he earned it every single day. Yeah, uh, yeah. Alex actually just off the air was talking about the very same thing with, Dude, uh, like, with Tony. Everybody yeah. always went through Sam. Like, they'd be like, Sam, what do you think about on, like, power? What if yep. we let those guys come in? He'd be like, he'd sit there in his face and go, hmm. Mm. No. <laughs> and you're like, oh, that was a stupid question, guys. It was stupid. I knew it was stupid. Don't yeah. ask him. Well, yep, exactly. you, that, I'm glad that you guys also asked Sam Bradford stupid questions because oh, yeah. uh, guilty over here as well from time to time. Uh, Jeremiah, always great to have you on the show. Thanks, Jeremiah. Uh, we'll do it again soon uh, throughout the playoffs, maybe before round two Vikings game. Oh, yeah. maybe. maybe. We can hope. Maybe. Let's go, baby. We'll see. Uh, all right. Well, yeah. enjoy watching the rest of the bowl games with Tom Osborne, too. That's the plan. Appreciate it, guys. Take care, Jeremiah. Thanks for coming on. I definitely wanted to uh, work Tom Osborne. You had to work him in there somehow. God, that was terrible. You're so mean sometimes. Yeah, I know. Half the people are like, who's Tom Osborne? Yeah, and you know what, too? It just went through my mind. I was like, wait, it's Tom Osborne. It's like still around. (laughs) Yeah, because the same thing. Did you feel bad? You're like, oh, should I look this up? Still, Still around. Tom right, Osborne's still around. We're good. I feel like we... We don't know enough about Nebraska. It's not our fault. It's not our fault. They've been irrelevant since good. we were children. Exactly. If you were like Ohio <laughs> State, you could be relevant. Oh, uh, anyway, so uh, just go circling back to uh, mm. what he was talking about there. Now, with facing Cam Jordan, yep. one thing that, at least by the numbers, it looks like Cam Jordan does not do is the Zadarius Smith, where he could be lining up anywhere. You know where he's going to be. Right. He's going to be off the right side of your offense, left side of the defense, and he's going to be going against your best offensive lineman, yep. Brian O'Neill. And yep. I think it's best by a lot yes. this year. Yes. I love that battle. I, I do mean, too. I cannot wait to watch that battle. I do too. I, and I love it because when you look at him, yeah, he's, he's a good player and he's got a lot of moves, but a lot of it, what he is, is just a gritty player. Like, Cam wants to kind of just go right down the middle of you. And if you look, Brian's kind of one of those guys that's like, listen, man, that plays right into what I want to do. I'd rather just you take me down the middle and we'll just call it a day. And then not only that, but then you talk about like Rudy's going to be chipping and then you're going to have Dalvin chipping. At times, you're probably going to have people trying to come cut him. I mean, they're going to be so exotic, though, that they're, I, I can't expect them to just keep Cam in one spot the whole game because you don't have Davenport. You have 
a bunch of guys out there that are trying super hard, and yeah, they get exotic as hell, but if you keep lining him up in the same spot, you're writing his own fate. Like Eventually, people are just like, dude, let's just put a tight end on the right the whole game, and we'll slow him down a half a step. We're going to get the ball out quick, or you know, we're going to start scooping him on play actions, or we're going to start scooping him and sending the, the, the running back to go cut him, or the running back to hit him on the way out, or we're going to send Ham through to hit him, and you know, sometimes when you move those guys around, you ch- and, and you do it so suddenly, it messes with the offense because for so long we're like, well, he's on the right, so we're just going to send everything to the right. Well, all of a sudden you see him on the left, and you're like, well, we're not prepared for this. Like, We didn't practice it to the left. Can we do it to the left? Khalil Mack and the Bears did that yeah. in Chicago 2018. All of a sudden he was off the left side of the offense. Right. You're like, wait, I thought he was going right. to be on the other and side. And it kind of messes with you because in yeah. practice you did it to the right, and so the left side was like, it's just us alone. We're going to do this together, you and me, and it's going to be a fun day. And then all of a sudden they're sliding your way, and you're like, wait a minute, this is not supposed to be how the game goes. And you know they could do a lot of things, but if if he does go against Brian, I feel really good about that matchup. Now, to your point about just doing it every so often to throw off the other team, I've got the numbers right here. Thank goodness, a uh, hundred and six times he's lined up on the right side, and it's like five times a game where all of a sudden he's just on the other side yeah. and you'd expect it. And my guess would be that that's in key situations mm-hmm. and third down. When right. they're in like an odd front or they're right. doing a radar where they're all walking around. But even then, like, you got to remember, a guy can only remember so much. So you can't go in one week and go, this is the whole game plan where this is where you need to be on all these twists. And then the next right. week be like, now we're going to scrap that. And now this is where you need to be on the twist. If they showed you that these dudes walked up, they're probably going to show you the same thing. So-and-so is going to go to the A. He's going to go to the B. That's how it's going to be. As long as you can get those twists down, like the top three twists that they do, you'll be fine for the entire game. All right, since we've had Jeremiah Searles and Sam Bradford. What a day. The person who hung from the truss at the end of the 2016 season, they're going to come on next. That's a joke. Remember the person that hung from the ceiling with the banner against Chicago? Yeah, I do. That was hilarious. And the funniest (laughs) part. That was so fun. They cleared out the stadium like underneath it because they were like, it's a hazard. The funniest part is that all of you guys were like, well, I didn't see anything. Uh, I saw it. No way. You guys didn't see it. It's this massive banner hanging from the roof. Well, that was for the pipeline, right? Yeah. I got in so much trouble because I was like, am I the only one that notices the guy hanging from this? <laughs> They're like, dude, we're playing a game. I go, there's a guy hanging from the ceiling during the game. We're not going to stop this game. Like, no, okay, I'm an idiot. It's one of the weirdest things I've ever seen in my entire life. Doesn't even like, make top five. Not man. just sports, but just weird. Doesn't even make top five. A person five. hanging from no. the roof of Doesn't a stadium at total five. random. No, no, <laughs> I would love to know what is the when the, the podcast gets going, we'll get uh, going. Okay, all right. Uh, let's take a break, and when we come back, uh, we continue path to victory. And I want to talk more about Drew Brees because it's sort of funny that um, the conversation changed about Drew Brees when he set the touchdown record a little bit, just ever so slightly. And let's talk about Brees when we return. Matthew Collar, Alex Boone here. You listen to Purple Daily. Jonathan here with the Score North download. Destination Winter St. Paul featuring the Wells Fargo Winter Skate and the Securian Financial Super Slide is open now through February 22nd at CHS Field in St. Paul. The Wells Fargo Winter Skate opens daily at 11 a.m. and the Securian Financial Super Slide is open Thursday through Sunday. For more information, visit scorenorth.com. Keyword Winter. Mike Zimmer talked to the media yesterday. He was asked about Kendrick's injury update. Thanks. Okay. What about Alexander Madison? Is he going to be able to play on Sunday? Well, let's just have to see. All right. 
how about this one then? Since they're playing highlights of it all week, how do you kind of look back at the Diggs miracle catch game? You get a warm, fuzzy feeling every time you see the replays of it, or what would you say? Come on, man. We're concentrating on the Saints this week. We don't care about three years ago or whatever it was. So Zimmer clearly in a happy mood on Wednesday, preparing for a key matchup, key playoff matchup this weekend against the Saints. If you're wondering, Eric Kendricks limited in practice today. While Alexander Madison, full participant again in practice today. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you, Jonathan. That is my line, Alex. <laughs> uh, like Boone's introing the segment. I'm just so excited, dude. It, it's playoff it, football. I know it is, and we, need, and we need to talk about Drew Brees. And I know that Three. you know there will be there will be the folks who are like, "What are you talking about, Drew Brees?" Um, and then there are other people who are like, he's going to kill us. We're all going to die. Stop. Those are the only two extremes this week is either people who think there's no chance and they're not even going to watch and I'm going to bother because they assume the game is just over. And then there that's, are that's the fine. others who are, you know, how dare you say that they could possibly not win. So I guess that's just football fans uh, there. But I, I do want to talk about Drew Brees because when he went ahead all time in touchdowns, there was a conversation that he could be the best quarterback of all time, which I no. don't think he can be number one with Peyton Manning in existence no. and Tom Brady in existence. But where where does he rank? That's that's so not fair. And, and I hate these questions because they, there were so many You're in sports talk radio now? <laughs> but there was Where so... does a quarterback rank is like the no. sport? That's why we have this yeah, media. It's not fair it's because in your there's contract. so many kids that don't know about the old players. Like They're like, dude, who the hell is Dan Marino? You're like, dude, what? Who is Steve Young? You're like, what? <laughs> Are you serious? Steve Young, underrated. But they never watched him. So when you talk about Drew Brees, they're going to be like, three. He's number three for sure. You're like, well, technically he's probably like 10. All time, yeah, once he jumped up everybody in the touchdowns, he probably jumped to like seven. But even then, there's still quarterbacks that are ahead of them because, number one, they've taken their teams to more Super Bowls. Yeah. Uh, number two, they've just done it like the guys were supposed to. Like Half of them wrote the book on how to play quarterback, and the rest of these guys are just following suit and making it, you know, making it even better. I mean, dude, you look at what he's done down at the Saints, and it's incredible. There's no question. He is one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play. Talk to guys that play with him. They're like, dude, he's the nicest guy, the greatest guy, loves his old line. Like you just can't say enough nice things about him, so he is up there in the books. But when you talk about all time, like dude, there's a lot of guys that earn a lot of respect. Like, even yes. like dudes before I could even remember, like mm-hmm. you know Johnny Unitas, guys like like I never right. watched Johnny Unitas play, so I don't right. know if he was. You know, I hear you, everyone's like, oh, he's great, and sometimes <laughs> you worry because you hear so many people are like, oh, that guy's great. Like dude, every, you say everybody's great. Like you get what great means, right? Like there's only a, so many people that can fit in that upper echelon of elite and great. And that's why the numbers are interesting to analyze for me because Drew Brees' numbers are the best of all time in a lot of categories in terms of how much he's totaled. But we've also been playing in an extreme, absurd passing era compared to the past. So when Brett Favre had 39, there was one year he had 39 touchdowns and like 14 picks. 14 picks this year would put you in the top five in interceptions. but, But then it... Yeah, no, the number one had thirty. Yeah, I'm not I, I so know. sure. But that's another thing. That's but number all... three had twenty. But they're all skewed. Because that's what I mean. Is is that it's it's you can't look at yards. James have... Winston led the team in yards. Right, yards kind of don't matter. And I mean, listen to the leaders in yards for this year: Jameis Winston, Dak Prescott, Jared Goff, Philip Rivers. None of them Matt are Ryan. None of them are in the playoffs. That's... Because when you get behind, you throw and you throw and you throw. So a lot of times, it's the John Kitna throwing for four thousand yards, and there is. 
some of that with Drew Brees' numbers when they were poor for a couple of years and he led the NFL in yards. But when they were 13-3, and three, he was still throwing for 5,000-plus yards. So he was the centerpiece of yep. an offense that has been one of the most dynamic in history. And he does have a great circumstance with Sean Payton as his coach. But when I, the way I look at it is when you win this many games over eras. So he goes 11 and 4 as a starter in San Diego in 2004. And 2011 he's 13 and 3. And this year 8 and 3 as a starter. Last year with 13 and 2 because he got hurt this year. But I mean when you can win with all different supporting casts, different coaches at times, uh, at least when he was in San Diego and went 11 and 4 that one year and then put up these type of numbers when you are actually winning. So you're playing to win and you're having to put up those numbers to win games because your defense isn't necessarily great. Right. I put you in the elite all-time, the upper echelon, different flying in different air type of category. And I and I think that trying to rank them number one, two, three, four is really hard, but you can tier them. Yeah, he's to, definitely elite. He goes in the Manning, <sighs> Favre, sure. Steve Young, Joe Montana, Tom Brady, Brady all-time category, and then elite. there's everybody else after him. So now here's a question. Who's one of the guys that would fall in the next tier? Like, how, how are you judging this? I think like Matt Ryan. When you put up, okay. when you put up great numbers and, okay. and you win and you're a franchise quarterback and you might go to the Hall of Fame, but you're not like this. No, this is incredible. What, did he, what he's done with, he could do it by himself. But you know what's so weird is like we say that, but then Teddy Bridgewater came in this year and did the same exact thing. Like he kept it going. So I think that that shows you that it's not just on the quarterback. It's right. all, you know this team win, obviously, duh. But when you talk like you said about a guy who can consistently keep his team at the top level and throw for as many yards as he does every year and put up the numbers that he does every year, and he comes up. We judge a lot of quarterbacks by what they do in clutch situations. What do you do at the end of the game? Do you crack or do you break your team? Do you do you make your team? And he's one of those guys. Germ said it, dude. We gave him forty seconds, and I was like, oh my god, we're gonna lose. <laughs> like that's yeah. That to me, that says you're an elite quarterback because I remember the same thing happened to us against Tom Brady. We gave him a minute fifteen. We were like, dude. We should have just ran it out and kicked the field goal. My God. But if that's the first thing that comes to your mind, that quarterback's elite. What's interesting about his playoff history is that 2011, 13, 17, 18, so the last four times he's been in the playoffs, he has won the first game each of those times and then, you know, ends up. Were they all at home? Uh, must have been right. They had the to win to go insane. to come play against the Vikings in 2017. So they've they've won, and he's seven and one at that building. So one of them was a loss. That was last year, and that was because <laughs> of the wonky call. But Here this go. this goes to how football is. I think in the playoffs, even though every player will tell you, "Hey, it's a different level of intensity," I think everyone brings their level up for the most part. Not everyone, I'm sure, but but over a 16 or a 15 game sample in his career, Drew Brees has about the same statistics that he has for a regular season, and, and I think to be able to do that against the best teams with the intensity going up, everyone bringing up the level of intensity, the defensive coaches are better, the defensive players are better, and he has a hundred quarterback rating, 33 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, averages almost eight yards per attempt for his career in the playoffs. That that really says something about you as a quarterback in the postseason. And I believe, and I'm going to look this up, I think he has a higher, higher quarterback rating in the playoffs than both Manning and Brady. I could believe that. I mean, the dude is clutch. There's no question. And, I mean, what a one-time Super Bowl, beat that Colts. Yep. I remember Goody was on that team. He, he bragged about it a lot. That was never fun. But, Who was that? Uh, Jonathan Goodwin. 
They just oh. had their ten year. The day that he threw the uh, the, the the pass to put him over for the touchdowns, they had their ten year against the the Colts because they were playing the Colts. That oh was right, insane. yeah, yeah. But you're right, dude. We, I've said this before. When you go to the playoffs, you're separating yourselves from the rest of the league, and you're basically like, no, no, we're the real league. You guys were just the pretenders this year. Right. So when you go in here, the windows get tighter, the defenses get smarter, the coaches get brighter, the players get more intense. Everything is basically coming down in the building, and you need your quarterback to hold you up and be like, listen, I can make these throws. Because if you can't make a good throw in the playoffs, then you have absolutely no chance. And that's why I think that so many people look at the Bills and they say that Josh Allen, you know, because you're going to need your quarterback to separate you from the rest of the league at right. some point. He has to say, listen, the run game aside, whether it's working, whether it's not working, I still need to make these tight throws. Everybody's going to be on their best game possible. So I need to be mine. And if your quarterback can't throw one in regular season, dude, I'm going to tell you right now, the playoffs get way harder. And, and this is where the cousin skepticism is totally fair. Which is fair. Totally fair. Because the tight window throws, Sam Bradford talking about throwing to Kyle Rudolph was fascinating because yes. he said he's not open. He's not going to be open. He's not fast. Just throw it to him anyway. And the number of times on tape in key situations against the Packers where he could have thrown to Kyle Rudolph, not open but open, right? and, and decided to go a different direction, that's going to cost you in a playoff game just the same way that it did against the Packers. And then I think about the subtle athleticism of Breeze and even... And and even the the ability to get the ball out quickly and into tight windows and the fearlessness at times to do that and these are all shortcomings. Cousins does not have athleticism. He won't throw into tight windows. You have to scheme it up to be exactly how it's supposed to be, and he'll execute it. But how often does that happen in the playoffs when right. all the other players are good, the other team is good, the defensive coordinator is good? That's where it becomes harder. And and we're talking about the path to victory, but I mean that's. That's a fine. That's, oh, dude, where's my bell? If I had a bell, I'd ring. We used to have a bell in the old line room. For fines? Yeah. If you saw something on tape, like say somebody did something and nobody would say anything, you just ring the bell and it was like, oh, man, who'd he get? So fun. <laughs> but no, I'm with you. I think that, you know, your quarterback's going to separate the level of play that you're going to be in and what he can do. I mean... Cousins, and that falls so much on Stefanski. Like you, everything you do this week should be to make him comfortable in the pocket. We're gonna, and dude, a lot of it should be to keeping him on the move. You know, yeah. a lot of teams, dude. This secondary could be had in so many ways. I saw so many players run right by these cornerbacks and safeties, and the first thing I thought was, man, Diggs is gonna have a field day because we've seen him do it all year. They yeah. just lull people to sleep, and then all of a sudden, Diggs hits a post route or a Dino route. People are like, well, we didn't see that coming. Kirk's on the roll. He's naturally making up time while he's running. Mm-hmm. And then he gets a nice ball up. I mean, this game is definitely theirs to be had. The question is, do they make Kirk feel safe right away? Like, within the first five plays, he's got to be like, I can do whatever I want back here. I can have fun. And number two, does Delvin scare them enough to have to make them put out enough defenders in the box that the play action could just destroy them? I want to spend uh, the last few minutes here first talking about the Zimmer versus Peyton, and then I want to go through these other games with you, and we'll look at the path to victory for there you go uh, for for the other games that are going to go on. Because uh, Saturday I will be in the air flying to New mm. Orleans, but I'm going to be able to definitely catch the night game, and I'm looking forward to that one, Tennessee yeah, and New wait. England. So let's talk about that. But Zimmer Peyton is just such a great matchup. Oh, I mean, yeah. you have the Parcells guys, you have the fact that. 
you know, Peyton is an offensive genius. Zimmer, the defensive genius. Those guys going up against each other. I love this matchup. I love how actually Zimmer has handled Drew Brees and Sean Payton over the last few years. Of course, they're going to get you, but there isn't a game where they've played except for 2014, which is just you know the first year of Zimmer, um, where you've said in the last three, "Whoa, Drew Brees just lit them up!" Like his PFF grades that you love so much are not that great against Zimmer's defense. His box score stats are not that great. He's thrown a couple of interceptions that are unusual for him. And uh, in the matchup from last year, they were in the red zone, and Zimmer creates a pressure where it's it's a five on five, but yet someone was running free. So right. there's clearly you know an issue there, and Breeze ends up throwing an intentional grounding, right, and you right. know just things that you don't normally see from him. It just it it gets me excited to see what the schemes will be from what can Sean Payton come up with, what can Mike Zimmer come up with? Right, I think a lot of that is Kendricks too. Is Kendricks healthy? Because he is this he's like the centerpiece. Like, dude, if we don't have him, we're going to be an odd man out in terms of covering people because you're going to have to shut down Michael Thomas. And however you're going to do that, you're going to have to double him. Whether it's bringing a safety over, bringing him in, the buzzing him down for that slant that they love to throw. I mean, dude. They're giving you the game plan. If you have Kendricks that can take on Kamara, and he's with him all day, just shadow him. Dude, just do what you do. And you can find somebody to stop Jared Cook, because that dude over the middle, running down the seam, is just stupid. I mean, the guy's got nine touchdowns. It's incredible. What, what They love the Stars of the the and the offensive line, like everyone talks about him. Have you seen Teron Armstead when he plays? Loves to overset. Like, dude, Ev should be like, bro, I'm about to spin, spin city. I'm about to just fake spin you, spin you, double spin you, outside spin you, just to mess with your mind a little bit. <laughs> then you look at the other side, Daniil Hunter versus Ryan Ramchick. And I like Ramchick a lot. I think he's a gritty player, but I think his length is one of his biggest weaknesses. Yeah. And Hunter, obviously, the length uh, is a clearly extreme like, yeah, strength. That's one of his biggest assets. But yeah. then you look in the interior and you're like, dude, they got a rookie center. And I don't care what you say, how many pl- games he started. When you're a rookie center and you are going into the playoffs in your first playoff game, let me tell you something, it's about to get elevated. So I would expect a ton of stuff going on. You watch this film. He's good about getting over into certain places. But I think his problem is when he likes to sin. And we used to say sin was when you would slide somewhere... Say we were going, I don't know, two jet. We always did two jet because the left side, they loved the left side. They hated the right side. So we would slide left. So a sin would be like if the center was sliding left and the, and the guy he was going to block went out left, he would sin back because it's a sin to leave the slide. He would sin back and come help out. This kid does not do a good job. Like he'll get down. The problem is he doesn't get enough depth when he's setting. So he's constantly on the line. And then when he goes to get back, he's got to like open up or what time I saw fall. He fell over. I was like, dude, who falls over on an alert sin? Like, God, that is terrible. But he's a rookie. So you got to take advantage of that. Dude, Linval. Mm-hmm. Hit him with your smack hand, dude. Linval was outstanding in their last matchup. I well, mean, maybe be the best player again. on the field. Yeah, he's going to have to be. Dude, you know who else shows up? Latavius Murray. Yes. Sneaky good. Yeah. He's one of those guys. He's a good player. And, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if Latavius is like, yo, I got a little extra juice for y'all boys this week. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just, the way it went down and... I'm super hot right now. I'm super excited. I'm the guy running the field back here. I mean, dude, this dude's going to be, he's going to be bringing it. All right. Give me what you think happens here. What do I think happens? What happens? I think Kendricks is fine. I think they go down there, and I think it's going to be an incredible game. I think these teams match up really, really well. I think that, yeah, people are like, oh, dude, they really have a great rush defense. Nobody ever has to rush against them because they have Drew Brees. If you stick to the game plan and Zimmer's defense actually goes out there and puts pressure on Drew, because I wanted to ask, you know, 
Searles, if I'm going into this game, and we've talked about how Drew is the lead, clearly, do I really try to mess with them that much with exotic stuff? Am I really going to go Usually off? teams don't. That's what I'm saying. Like when you, there's, There comes a line, a threshold, where you have to go, all right, listen, this guy's so elite that even if I did throw something completely off the wall that he never saw, he's going to catch it and just throw the ball anyways. Yep. So what the hell is the point? Why not, since I have two of the best defensive ends, just let those two dudes do what they want all day, and I'm going to drop everybody, and I'm just going to make the window super, super tight. Now, at times, yes, when I know I can get them, they're in an empty set. I know I can mess with the center. Maybe we can pick them. There's times where we need to go after them. But for the most part, I would just let the defense be very vanilla and be like, listen, pin your ears back when you can. Have your fun. Twist them up. Do whatever you want. I don't care. Throw some ETs in there, dude. Teams that don't set on the proper level, like if the tackle's deeper than the guard or the guard's deeper than the center, instant ETs coming. And that's because the tackle's going to have to go so far down inside because he opened up so much space between him and the guard that by the time that tackle's coming back around, you have no makeup ground. Your quarterback's right there. You're talking about stunts. Oh, yeah, dude. Just do that. And then... I would draw, dude. I would shorten the. I would because you're going down into his stadium. He's going to be so comfortable, regardless of what happens. He's going to be calm. The, the fans are going to be behind him. So I'd be like, listen, you want to be calm? I'll let you be calm. I'm going to let my two dudes just come after you because I think that these tackles can be had. You definitely didn't predict the what's going to happen. I just did. No, you didn't because the score is all that matters. So the what's e, your the score? E, the ETs. What's your score? I say 34-31 Saints. I think it's going to go back and forth. I think they had trouble with Kyle Shanahan's offense. They'll have some trouble with Kirk, but Drew's better, and he'll finish it out. That he'll get the ball at the end of the game and go get a field goal. Who's their kicker? Will Lutz? Will Lutz? He's good. <laughs> I was just wondering how good he was. I'm like, man, no, he's good. Yeah, it's a battle I like your kickers. I think it could it, matter. I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think, and I think that it's going to be a really big slugfest in a place that you know. They're a sloppy team, too, dude. Like, when you're the second most penalized team in the NFL, it's like, dude, at some point, Kirk, just throw the ball. Like, if you ever looked, like, their DPI and their off, their defensive holding is, like, stupidly high. Because the refs hate them this year. We call it what you want, call it that, <laughs> call it just laziness on defense, the secondary, yeah. whatever it is. Like, dude, Kirk, at some point, just chuck the ball up there and hopefully they'll throw a flag. You're like, <sighs> it's just, it's just not him. Do how about, it, how about dude. Earlier, how about earlier this year? Take I, a risk. I think it was against Denver. Where Denver jumps off sides by about fifty miles, Kirk drops back and checks down to the fullback. <laughs> it was like they're offside. You get five just free yards on first up. down. Maybe he and, didn't see the flag though. And uh, there was a safety over the top of Diggs, so he just didn't go for it. And like you're right, you know and, he can and, jump over a safety. And that's the one thing that when you separate yourself, Kirk. you have to be a gunslinger. You have to be willing to roll that dice. And I've said this before. Like you don't. I'm not, I'm not talking about Jameis Winston crazy. Like I don't want thirty times to have to be chasing somebody down. <laughs> right. But I get if you if you heave it up there, and by the time that dude catches it, you're like, boys, start running. I get it. We have to take a risk at some point. We have to make some contested catches. We have to put ourselves in the best situation. If you don't throw that ball and you throw a silly little check down, you're right. You come back to the huddle like, dude, what? Just heave it up there and make somebody make a play. Have some fun. It's the playoffs, dude. Make these catches contested. Make it fun. Get excited. God. All right, let's uh, lay out the path to victory. To, 34-31? Um, that's what I'm going with. Are, are, uh, yeah, you're good with that? that? You're going to go with that? Yeah. Um, for these other games. Path to victory. Yeah, there you go. All right, just, uh, just leave it going so we can talk about these other games that are going to happen. Because I want to get your take on each one. All right. Uh, and we'll talk more about these with Myron Metcalf tomorrow. And uh, Judd as well. Robert Mays is going to join us tomorrow. Sam Monson. So I actually have show. two upsets coming. Okay. All yeah. right. Well, let's April start with Davis. Buffalo and Houston. 
I, I think no, I only have one. I rethought that last night. I was thinking about that. I, I think Houston's dangerous at home. I think they're getting JJ Watt back. They're gonna win. I think Deshaun Watson can can get it done. I think Will Fuller was a little hurt this week, but you know, I think they're gonna be fine. Buffalo's defense is excellent. I know the coaching are. staff is excellent. Their offensive line is really good, but their quarterback is just not Deshaun Watson. It's he's just not. he's just not. And at home. That one's going to be really tough. So I'm going to go Houston also. Yeah, for sure. Tennessee, New England. Hard not to pick the upset here. Dude, I'm doing it. I'm going Vrabel all the way. I mean, the what he's done with this team and and how he's gone about this year with Ryan Tannehill. I know. Dude, if he doesn't get coach of the year, I swear to God, somebody's really messing with him. Somebody pointed out that, uh, and I hadn't noticed this, because he Tannehill didn't have enough throws to qualify to be the league leader in quarterback rating until recently. And then now he is. And so it's the NFL's hundredth season, and just like we all predicted, Ryan Tannehill would lead the yeah, NFL in quarterback. No big rating. deal. Tells you about circumstance, and when you're playing in Miami with kind of a garbage organization, and then Who you go, the Patriots? you know, play with a talented team. That's right, they did. So yeah. let's talk about that. No, yeah. I mean, I just not only that, but you know, Tom and his team, they don't seem in sync this year. I don't know if it's the injuries or what it is, but they just feel like they can't get on the same page. And I know what it is. It's about a, a guy that's around your size that played tight end. For a really long oh, yeah. time and not being that. there. Yep. Forgot about that. Uh, and the other game, other than Vikings and uh, New Orleans, is Seattle and Philly, which I think is actually a really, sweet. really close matchup. Yeah. It could be kind of kind of junky and yeah, clunky it's, and ugly. It's gonna be. And the field will probably look terrible. But I love the way Carson Wentz has played recently to get them into the playoffs. And then it's just, it's all about Russ. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I think that they're, they're, they're hurting too, dude. They just lost Kendricks to an ACL. Like, you cannot keep yeah. losing guys. Both like, teams, cra- like Brandon Brooks is out. No, I agree. But when you're talking about Philly at home, dude, that's a different, that's another, yeah. we're, we're going to a new stadium, guys. Right. Like, it's crazy. Seattle there. fans do not wear your fluorescent jerseys. I would not. I would to not. Philadelphia. No. I saw that. I, I think personally. Philly takes that one. I think, I, and I, I know I've been a big Russ fan, but man, their they're, they're, injuries are just incredible that they've going through, and commend them on being able to put themselves in the playoffs with all those injuries. But mm-hmm. eventually, the train has to stop. And I thought Marshawn Lynch would show up a little bit bigger last week too. You know, like I don't know. Yeah, well, I, that was kind of how I expected it to go. I mean, you're talking about Maybe not I was just playing really all year. Yeah, I was really hopeful. Get, though, like getting him, getting him started again. The biggest mistake they made in that game was trying to force him into the game and then taking a delay of game that penalty. Was dumb. That was dumb. Yeah, that didn't work out so good. Get out there, dude. We want to make up for the Super Bowl. Oh, my God. Right. Why, are you, why are you doing that at that point, making Over up for the Super Bowl? thinking a stupid game. You, That's what you get. You know what? Tell me if this is unrealistic. I've always thought that there should be a call or something that an offense can make that if you get, let's say it's third and nine, and you get eight and a half, that you could call it and there run is. and just run up and sneak. There is. Then why don't they use it? They they don't because they're idiots. I'm glad it's all, real. Everybody has every team has a code word. Like ours used to be lightning. If a receiver catches a ball that might be contested or bobbled, lightning, lightning, lightning oh, sure, automatically yeah. meant what? Ninety five power. You wanna know why? Because the L told you it was going to the left. There you go. Charger, or like we get up there, Charger, Charger, Charger. It was ninety four power. See, Charger and Lightning Bolt, get it? That's how we used to do it. But we we you don't think about that Football. right away. You don't think about that. Like when somebody makes contestation, you're like, dude, did he catch it? I don't know. Look up. Catch right, it. right. And then all of a sudden the quarterback's yep. like, Charger, Charger. Like, dude, what was Charger again? <laughs> I forgot. It's the same play every year. You always forget. Uh, Seattle at Philadelphia. You're taking Philly. I'm taking Philly. I think I'll take, I think I'll take Seattle because I think the quarterback's better. If you pick all the playoffs ever with the quarterback, you usually do all right. You know, just bigger picture. Not always, but 
a lot of times. We'll see. And then it gets to Brady and Manning, and you just don't know what to do. Dude, this week's going to be fun. Next week's going to be fun. Oh, Next weekend, it, it gets real. This is always such a great weekend, so though. Fun. Saturday and Sunday, yes. all day long, just watching football. And I will be in New Orleans. So that'll no be great because it's 60 there. Uh, all right. Well, Drago. this was great. And thank you for the mystery guest, Sam Dude. Bradford. That was excellent. Really appreciate that. Got you, bro. Uh, if you missed Sam Bradford on the show, it was a fun conversation with him. So make sure you go check that out wherever you get your podcast, Purple Daily. You can leave a, uh, a response there. You can leave a five-star rating. Those things help other people find our show. So please do that if you get the chance. We'll talk to you tomorrow. We'll have the final word on Vikings and Saints before it is officially playoff time. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy 5 or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.